0: Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world, riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon.
1: Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you as we share a message of challenge and hope from the book of Joshua in God's Word. When you face tribulation, there are all sorts of fears that can intimidate you, to freeze you into inaction. Yet in God's Word, He uplifts and defends us. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, Lord says, Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Do you feel fearful about what's going on in the world today? Ever feel defeated? Listen today from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, and hear the Lord's challenge to act. To act and walk victorious in blessings He's already given. His challenge is to take Him at His word, regardless of what you think you know. God knows our limits, yet do we know how big God is? He calls us to trust His promises as He fulfills His purpose in us.
0: Here's a question, what moves you, what moves your heart to action? What kind of question is that? We all have a different level in our hearts where we feel moved to action. There's a point, there's a picture, there's a story that each one of us would react to to either say, enough is enough, or I've got to do something about this situation. If you think of the story and the situation going on in Canada that has been going on with the truckers trying to get their voice heard, to have the laws changed, they were moved to put their lives in jeopardy to make a statement. On the other hand, people watching People that love liberty, they're moved to help them, either sending funds or walking amongst the trucks with gasoline, food, and other things they needed. They were moved. And then there's people, and we see in our country, that are moved by things that seem to be very frivolous to us, such as save the whales, save the pets, Save the gray owl If you think and if you google See how many millions and billions of dollars This country puts forward to helping animals And then if we ask the question If you sent so much to help the animals How much have you sent to help the orphans? Right? What moves us? We look at the picture of what's happening in Ukraine And the world seems to be moved, and yet it seems to be staved off, held back by something called NATO regulations. The powers that be say, there's not much we can do because we're limited by certain charters and agreements. Interestingly, if we we were to put that in a spiritual sense, the one thing that Russia is afraid of is any surrounding nations joining NATO because then they know they have to face a force and a power they could not handle. So as a big bully would, he is threatening the surrounding nations saying, don't even dare to request being part of NATO. Sounds like the enemy. Don't dare pray. Don't dare reach out and talk to your brothers and sisters in church to ask them to pray and come in Step in to help you what the enemy does he wants to be a big bully and he corners people Corners you into your mind and there he begins to defeat you It's what's happening in Ukraine on the first hand as I was mentioning As a nation we can't do much other than supply Through the back end, we can't do much because they're not part of NATO. Sadly enough, however, in answering the question of what moves us, what moves you to action? What moves us to step outside our comfort zone? What moves us to a place where we live out of sacrifice? Sometimes we as believers say, they're not part of the church they're so far and distant, distant, it doesn't affect me. So therefore, there's nothing I can do. I'll have a moment of silence on your behalf. I'll, I'll lift up a prayer, but that's about all I'm going to do. And so in our mindset, there's a danger that we would separate people in their need, and we're not moved by their need. We're not moved by the fact that they're about to die, and they will be in hell for eternity. We're not moved because they're far away down the street different church different nationality they're not part of the circle of acceptance to which we've been somehow devoted to support sustain and and protect here's god talking to joshua Saying, listen, until now you've been taking orders, you've been obedient, following, but see, this land is for you and these people, these people whom I love, they're my children. Joshua, do you understand? Being very straight with him, there's dangers. They're about to cross the river into a land where there will be battles. There's victory prepared, but there's also going to be losses, He's sending him into danger. What moves you to understand that you must live and stand and walk victoriously in the midst of danger? Have you seen those videos? The 80-year-old man that walked up to the police station in Kiev and he was requesting to be given a weapon at 80. This is my land. These are my people. Have you seen the women that said, I've never handled a rifle before, but this is my land. These are my people. That's what moved them. The personal direct threat to their lives moved them. So the question is, why isn't the church moved to live as if eternity is real and hell is flaming? And jesus died we want to walk with joshua in these beginning steps of his leadership as god calls him to walk victoriously not alone but walk victoriously with the lord we're not supposed to back up we're not supposed to give up you're supposed to move your life as a child of God is a life that's supposed to be defined by one victory after another. Not in miles, but in inches. Maybe even feet, one day at a time. Walk victoriously. And we've, we've tasted and understood the first thing that God does to Joshua and his invitation to us is that we're supposed to step into these blessings that are already prepared. That we're supposed to receive divine help, but divine assistance and direction. These blessings that are given to you by God the Father. You've been given a land. You've been given victory, but you've got to fight. You've got to be moved enough to care enough to make decisions that we have not made before in our daily living, in the way we treat those around us, in the way that we control ourselves and make sacrifices because we understand we have no time to waste in walking and stepping in these blessings. And we've seen that we're called to be focused on God's mission, not our mission. We're supposed to be fast in obeying and acting what God commands us to do. Be faithful, Be faithful in what God promises. And we saw that His promises are always abundant. His promises. Oh, there's responsibility in receiving them to do your part. Because God never forgets His promises. As I have been with Moses, I will be with you. And now we arrive at verse 4. From the wilderness and this Lebanon... As far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. God shows them the limits and the strength of the power He's giving them. These are the boundaries. These are given to you. He follows that up with, don't don't be afraid. What God has promised, He will fulfill. In every promise He gives into your life, there's no wonder will God keep His promise. He remembers it, and He fulfills it. But there's a caveat. And this is the fourth thing that we learn about His promises. that You've got to be committed to receive all of God's promises. We mentioned earlier, stop limiting God. Go out and get as many empty vessels and pots as you can, and God will fill every single one of them. We're laughing about Abraham, all the Jew that he was. Jewing God down somebody said there's 50 40 30 25 10 God stopped at 10 in showing his grace of the righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah because Abraham stopped at 10 God was having a conversation in blessing and listening Don't limit God commit yourself To be the one that says, Lord, I'm ready for more. Lord, what a blessing this has been. Lord, I want to see victory in his life and her life. Lord, I want to see the church live as one. Be committed to receive all of his blessings. Well, take a look at the map. We figured that putting up this map would actually... um, Oh, I wish we could enlarge it, but I think you can see pretty much. The red part is... What is described by the verses that we read From the wilderness in this Lebanon As far as the great river All the way to the river Euphrates And all the land of the Hittites To the great sea Toward the going down of the sun Shall be your territory He tells them what I've given you What is waiting for you And there's that part where God wants us to be collaborating And faithful working with him You've got to fight for it But I've given it to you You'll have to sometimes lift up the trumpet, and other times you've got to lift up the sword. But you've got to fight. You've got to call out. You've got to stand and walk in these blessings. And God has given them all of that. And the blue is what they actually have because they limited God. We limit God either by faith, obedience, and our actions. We're not robots. He is glorified when we love Him because we choose it from our hearts to love Him. He is glorified when we're committed and we're obedient. When we say, I don't understand, but I know you, so I trust you. So what happens here? Because there's a verse at the end of the book, at the end of, the jo- of Joshua, Chapter 21, verse 43 and 45, it says this, So the Lord gave Israel, at the end of the conquest, at the end of the book, the Lord gave Israel all the land which He had sworn to give their fathers. And they possessed it, and they lived in it. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, according to what He had sworn to their fathers. And no one of their enemies stood before them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hand. Not one of the good promises, not one of the good promises, not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. In Joshua's time, much of the land of Canaan was brought under Israelite control. In the time of David and Solomon, and that is 400 years after Joshua, which puts it at 1,000 years before Jesus, the wide area of the land was under Israel's control or influence. However, what has been promised and fulfilled temporarily has yet to be fulfilled in full to the people of Israel. So the question is, is there a contradiction Why is it that they don't have all that God had promised them? There's no contradiction. During Israel, during Joshua's time, all of the enemies were subdued. No one posed a threat to God's people, and God was always on their side. However, after Joshua's death, we read in the book of Judges that the Israelites turned away from God. Why don't they have what God had promised? Their disobedience. So, here is the first challenge and the most important challenge in our walking and our standing. It's a spiritual, emotional, internal battle that we are obedient individually. For that individual obedience, when it's combined with a corporate obedience, it brings on victory. What was the cause? of the loss of the battle of Ai. Ai, a much smaller fortress and city compared to Jericho. They walk up to Jericho, they march, and they blow their trumpets and praise God, and the walls come tumbling down, and they're victorious. And up comes next a very small city, and they're living on the prides and accolades of what had just happened, they go and they're routed and people die. Why did they fail at Ai? One man, one family. They were told not to touch anything in Jericho. And this one man saw some clothing, saw some sparkling gold, and he figured no one will know when he hid it under his tent. Because of that one person's disobedience, people suffered. It's the individual decision of repentance and holy living before the Lord that brings us as one united in repentance, not that we're perfect, but that we are repentant and that we seek the Lord's will in our lives and we're obedient. Judges 2.14, in His anger against Israel, the Lord gave them. And if you think about it, at the beginning of the book of Joshua, we have the same phrase that the Lord gave them. I have given you this land. I have given you these enemies. No one shall stand before you. But something happens. And now he says that the Lord is anger. He gave them into the hands of their enemies. Into the hands of the raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they no longer were able to resist. What a terrible, tragic loss to not walk fully into God's blessings. It's that love that obeys, that's what it takes not obedience out of fear, but obedience out of love and the joy of his presence and the fact that he promises over and over again, I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you, but that presence also incurs discipline. Be committed, be committed to walk and live fully and receive all of his promises Here's one way we can understand what this looks like in our lives. Turn with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings 13. Elisha is about to die. He lived under the glory and the power of his mentor, Elijah. He requested that the Lord would be with him and he would receive double the portion of power, strength, and even miracles of his master, his disciple maker, his, his prophet Elijah. So Elisha, he actually performed 14 great miracles among the people. He became the father of Israel, which is what Joash calls him. Father Israel. He's got to pass on the mantle on the shoulders of this young king. And in a way, when he asks him to be obedient and do what he must do based on what he had observed, he tells him limited instructions to draw out of his heart the trust that had been, I would say, planted throughout the ministry. What have you learned, Joash, from seeing me walk with God? And so God comes into our lives and He asks you to be obedient. You may not understand, but God wants to see how much you trust and love Him. So here's Elisha. He had fallen sick with the illness of which he was supposed to die. And Joash, the king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him. There was this fraternal connection, respect and love. What an amazing, wise counsel he received from Elisha. Surrounded by enemies, he trusted God's words spoken to him through Elisha. So he's weeping. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horse. In other words, your word brings the weight of victory. We need you. This land needs you. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows and he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow. And he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. Look at these rudimentary instructions as given to a child. And the Lord does that in your life. And it's the same idea that Jesus did with Peter. Do you love me? Yeah, you're my friend. Okay, Peter, but do you, do you love me? Yes, you know I'm your friend. And then Jesus says, are you really loving me as a friend? When Jesus was asking, do you love me with agape? Do you love me with this unconditional, total devotion, love? It's one step at a time, and there's patience there. And when God does this, not only is He patient with us, but is also digging deeper to a point where there's all, all of us is revealed. Because He wants us to see who we really are. Because we tend to... I mean, you look in the mirror. When I look in the mirror... I see 150 pounds. I don't see more than that. When I look in the mirror, I still see my dark hair. Paul keeps telling me your hair is more gray than mine. We look in the mirror and we have this vision of ourselves and our hearts of who we want to be. And whenever anyone tells us the truth, we argue with them because that's who we think we are, not who they say we are. And yet God asks these questions. And, and Joash is obedient one step at a time. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up the, the bow and the arrows. I can do that, Lord. And I, I can go ahead and open the windows. And, and yes, Lord, I'm going to shoot. So there's this rudimentary one step at a time obedience. God builds upon that. But then, just like the master that gave one talent, three talents, and five talents, he wants to see how much have we grown in trusting him and loving him and walking by faith when he doesn't tell us what to do.
1: As we look at how God's promises are fulfilled in our lives, as we respond to his word, act upon his direction. Then God equips you and I to do all he has committed to do within us. As Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? The Lord told us he will not leave us or forsake us. From Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 6 through 8. Yet we still have an internal battle between what God tells us, calls us to do, and what we see and experience in our daily living. As the Lord helps us answer his call to accept his word, his discipline, then his will comes to pass in our lives. In 2 Kings chapter 13, a servant of the Lord, Joash was uncertain about doing what the Lord directed through his friend Elisha. Joash was told to shoot some arrows and must simply obey. Are we ready to obey the Lord and do what he directs? Do we step out in faith, or do we argue with God? Join us next week as we find out more about Joash and following the Lord's Word in our lives.
0: Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at TrinityEFCBoise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.